I remember uh, our coach, Fred, uh, talked about that huge misconception of timing and speed. People think that you need to rush an offense by rushing the pass. The setter yeah. is the player <clears throat> who rushes the offense, and the mm-hmm. hitter can change their route however they want. The only time that's changing is on two situations. Hey, everybody. Okay. Welcome. We are getting rolling. This is the second edition of the Better at Beach Volleyball podcast. And thank God we decided not to try to do it in person because uh, it's the second <laughs> episode and we're already halfway across the country. <laughs> okay. So uh, our live viewers are rolling in by the thousands. And Oh, my today, gosh. So many. Yeah. There are. Uh, they're going to be here. And today, uh, whether you're watching from Instagram, whether you guys are watching from uh, Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn, we're also streaming to LinkedIn and Twitch. Whatever account you're on, welcome. Uh, happy holiday season. Today, we're going to talk about a lot of defense. And specifically, we are going to talk about how to dig more hard driven balls. So there's a lot of different ways, different techniques that involve, uh, number one, like some of them will be mental, some of them will be physical, some of them will be uh, technique driven, and some will be situational, really. So that's what we want to get into today. We also have a few quick announcements. Um, uh, we had our biggest sales day ever, Brandon. I don't know if, uh, congratulations to, to you and me. Um, and that's pretty cool. And it's also good to know that our camps like get to sell out quick now. Um, you know, the Christmas camps, uh, December 26th and January 2nd camp in Florida, those both sold out early, even though we just had a cancellation. Um, so we had one more spot open up and I've been texting back and forth with somebody's like, Oh, should I book? When's it going to close down? And I'm like, I, <laughs> every time we've had a spot open, it's closed within two hours. Yeah. Um, so we have a waiting list for that. If you guys are interested in getting on the waiting list, just get in touch with us. Uh, but the April 3rd camp, I think we got uh, 17 spots booked out in the first two days, which is awesome. And there's a few months left to book that. There are going to be 40 spots as usual, and that's going to be in St. Pete in Florida. If you guys are in New York City right now, or you're near it, because we've had people drive from upstate uh, a few years ago. I had people drive seven hours to come to a beach volleyball clinic. There's like, there are no clinics near us. So we had to come. You're that good, dude. <laughs> I drive nine people, hours. People love volleyball. Volleyball. They just Not love much. it. They just love it. So um, we're going to do that at Endless Summer, uh, which is a two-court indoor facility in Oceanside in Long Island. So if you guys are... Uh, in the tri-state area up in the northeast come say hey and let's hang out for an entire day at uh endless summer and we're going to do three sessions and with that uh, if you guys head to better at beach.com forward slash clinics we have our schedule up there if you want to bring us in for a clinic in your hometown or your facility there are instructions on that page and if you think we might be showing up in your hometown already (laughs) Well, then uh, that'll be on that schedule. We are still working on our FUDS clinic. We're still working on our Hawaii clinic. Um, and yeah, we're ready to rock. So we, we got a full, we're, we're coming upon a full schedule of 
clinics and camps? Yeah, I think I saw today we already have four or five weekend clinics booked up mm-hmm. or on the schedule. So get on it quick. Get on it quick. We're going to see everybody. Yeah. Everybody, welcome to the Better at Beach Volleyball podcast with Mark Burrick. That's me and Brandon Joyner. Today, we are going to talk about hard-driven defense and specifically ways to get more digs. Uh, there's a lot of kind of simple keys that you might think will improve it, but we're going to go a little bit more in-depth into <coughs> certain situations, certain strategies, so that uh, you guys can just get some better defense. And I know that it's winter time for most of us, but as we go through this, just think about it. Because a lot of these, if you guys play indoor, a lot of these tips and keys are going to help you out digging indoor as well. So if you're lucky enough to have an indoor facility with beach, awesome. And if you only get to play on the hard court during the winter, well, then just start applying these and uh, we'll see if we can get you better. Brandon, what's going on in your life? Not much, you know, getting ready to take off on my own uh, Christmas, but um, heading back to Virginia. Uh, I think I leave on Friday. Um, still up in the air somehow, but um, I'm going to get there. I'm getting home. <laughs> um, but yeah, defense has been, um, it's, it's been something that I've, I've kind of had to focus on a little bit more actually since I moved out to California because um I found that before I moved out here, I was kind of considered solely a blocker, you know, and uh, I had a pretty solid indoor career at blocking. So it kind of just transferred over to the beach and I tried to take that on. Um, But since I've gotten out here, um, I've realized that I'm not that tall. Um, And (laughs) there are a lot of of people that um, are just as tall or taller than me and jump just as high, if not higher than me. So um, I've had to practice some of those uh, defensive moves as well. Uh, It's been something that I've kind of been focusing on since I've moved out here and I'm still learning a lot. Um, But luckily I get to hear you talk about a lot of stuff about (laughs) digging and uh, it's great because I'm still learning myself. So um, yeah, I'm just excited to keep, keep learning and kind of share what I've, what, what I've kind of focused on since I've started, since it's a little bit, probably newer since uh you've been focusing on it for a while so yeah and but you know you also played setter in college and professionally overseas so yeah. standing down that line when the outsides can thunder their crossbody at you you learn a lot about hard driven defense just by sitting in that zone i mean that's a dangerous place to be with outsides coming in and hitting that crossbody down the line so i think a lot of setters who reach the top level have to be great defenders yeah especially thinking back to my indoor career um when an outside does have the ability to turn that ball down the line um it has made me a lot more comfortable in taking hard driven attacks on the sand um i was lucky enough to play my almost my whole career against kyle Grammett, who was an all-american opposite um he was a couple years ahead of me um and when I was on the second team, he was the guy lighting me up cross court. And I was so competitive that I didn't care if I was on the second team. I still wanted to beat you guys every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured out where to stand, how to position my body, what what it meant to have a defensive platform. 
um, and kind of just put myself in a position that allowed me to get a decent amount of digs. So, yeah, I think I might have, if not, I think I might have led my led the team my senior year in digs. Well, so uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you so, know what you're talking about. Know what I'm talking There's, about. It's a, know it's what a I'm different world about. out there. Yeah. Uh, it, on the beach, but it's not a completely different world. So for those of you right. who are like playing indoor and coming out to the beach, hold on to a lot of the things you held on to in indoor. Don't overthink. I think when most people get out to play defense from playing indoor volleyball, uh, they really freak out. They freak out about how much space there is, how much the person has the ability to shoot, and they lose a lot of the indoor digging ability that they should have carried over uh, because their mind messes with them. They worry too much about all of the variables and how much they have to run, and they actually like negate all those years of uh, of skill development that they had with hard driven balls and i think today after this lesson we're going to talk about how those players specifically can really uh get that together uh, some other quick announcements just in case you guys didn't know guys we have better beach shirts we've got three new designs up and running uh on our teespring account and i don't have a specific link to that other than betteratbeach.com forward slash shop if you go to betterbeach.com forward slash shop you can see all of our different designs you can click on the link to our merchandise and see that and also we don't have these on the website but they are for sale if you guys want to get in touch with us we got some sweet hats a new shipment i think we got about 60 hats here's your dad hat brandon <laughs> people love dad hats they're coming back yeah, I don't, but a lot of people do, and they did sell out the fastest at the camp, so you were right. You, you got the visor over there? That might be my new favorite. Um, well, I got another dad hat because they okay. did so well, and another dad hat. If you guys want any better beach hats, you are more than welcome. And then, yes, the Flix Fit visor, which that thing is just amazing. hugs your head. You love it. It really does. Yeah, you could sleep I was impressed with how comfortable it is. So if you guys want any of this, just let us know. Shoot us a DM. We'll be able to send you some Christmas presents. Um, all right. Let's get started. Okay, so key number right. one for hard-driven defense uh, is get stable early. This is where we get all those indoor players who come along and they've been told, like, get stable, get still, get stable, get still. And then they just completely ignore it when it comes time to play hard-driven defense. Now, what you cannot do is start thinking in your head, especially early in your career, if you're still like an intermediate um, or to intermediate advanced player, just sit in that pocket early. Too many people worry about where the attacker sees them. So they think, well, if I go to the diagonal, then they're going to know that I'm in the diagonal and then they're going to have this line open to shoot. You're giving too much credit to all of these attackers, right? To be able to see and take an approach and take a swing and hit a spot fast enough and accurate enough that a defender couldn't get there, that is a crazy difficult thing to do. Right. At the highest level, yeah, we train it so that we can hit like three and four foot boxes, but you have to spend years and years and years getting to that level, and not a lot of players put in the time to being that accurate and that fast. So my number one piece of advice first is, you know how like a lot of coaches will teach that serve, go into the middle, then after the set, pop into your diagonal? I'm trying to get most players completely out of that. 
right? I want them to stop doing all that. I want you to go to your position immediately, pay attention, make sure that the other person can't bump over on two or attack on two, but go to your spot right away. And by the way, like eight, nine out of 10 times, you should be blocking line with a line block and a diagonal defender. That's the most efficient way uh, to, to play defense when you're starting out. So get there, go early. Don't worry that that person's going to see you and sit in that nice little pocket. Um, and when you can get stable there, you see more. The more you move, the less you see. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but like your eyes start focusing on other things. If you're focused on moving and where that person might see you, you're not focused on picking up the information that they're giving you. You're more concerned with what information you're giving them which means that you can't mentally focus on where that date, where that ball, the attack is about to go. So number one piece of advice is get in there, get stable as early as you can. Yeah. And I think uh, it's kind of interesting because when, when you're playing, um, I know a lot of times what, exactly what you just said, when we're talking about, you're worried about that attacker seeing you, you know, and I would argue that if you're an intermediate player, it's almost better if the attacker sees you in that in that angle because then like they're at a they're at a specific level where they don't have every shot in in that's possible in beach volleyball. So really what most people have especially at the intermediate level or even like the low open level tournaments is they have that hard driven cross and then they have a high line. You know, and they think about hitting one side of the court versus the other side of the court. Mm -hmm. It's not really, am I going to hit a cut shot? Am I going to hit a high line? Am I hitting a jumbo? Am I hitting whatever hard hit it is? So like most of the time, if you're an intermediate style player and that attacker does see you in the cross court and you see them slowing down your approach, their approach, then eight times out of 10, they're probably just going to shoot that ball over the blocker. So, but yes. if they don't, if they don't slow down their approach, then there's absolutely no reason for you to move because they're probably just going to try to hit and try to beat you on that side of the court that you're currently standing on. And so especially where, where I grew up in Virginia, a lot of really, really good volleyball players, but a lot besides, besides the <laughs> top four teams in a tournament, we, you're, you're not really seeing people that have the ability to use their vision to beat you. You know, when you're in California, Yep. It's a little different because obviously the level of play out here is just overall a little bit more more consistent. Um, yeah, I'm trying. Hey, I'm trying to give a little bit of love to Virginia. You know, like I we, know. We, hey, I'm we're from on the, the East map. Coast, dude. Like I, map, I'm dude. from Long Island too, and we're. Yeah. Like, we <laughs> It's like you want to give credit, but then you see yeah. like, no one practices the, the when we right. leave that the quality exactly. has gone down and it's just like, OK, well, now we have all these junior girls. Thank goodness that they're coming up because right. in three, four years, they're going to absolutely wax all of the right. current adults. Um, yeah. But that jump from the level jump from the northeast, uh, the Midwest to California, like overall is massive. Right. Massive. Yeah. And then so like when I moved out to California, I kind of had the same idea, but I started real like realizing I was like, oh, these people are better. So I need to cheat a little bit if I'm going to get there. But really what it is, is it's a matter of getting in that spot, allowing that attacker to kind of see where you are, being OK with that and then trusting your reaction time and your speed to get to the ball. Um, and as long as you have good footwork, 
and you're not making a lot of negative steps, as long as that getting stable early and that setup is strong, um, it's going to be pretty important. Should help you out a lot. All right. So, um, yeah. Key number. Two. I'll go in. I'll go into two. Um, I like it. Hands in front. Um, I know this is something that you've you've uh, kind of battled with a little bit, um, and I know I have too because a lot of times when I lo I love the you can't really see it now, but the gun. <laughs> like imagine that I have here. my holsters. If I had guns, we we, we talk, talk a lot, lot about, about firearms. <laughs> need to switch that up but um, instagram's gonna start blocking us and everything. yeah a lot of times when we're thinking about it we'll, we'll say uh imagine if you have your hands in your pockets you mm -hmm. know and a lot of times when when we're playing defense for some reason our hands like go back there and um i don't know if you guys follow dustin watton but he's he's a guy that i think eventually we'd love to have on the show he absolutely has an amazing uh instagram channel where he talks a lot about passing and service even even though he's a little barrow um, and indoor, a lot of his defensive teachings are pretty strong. And, and one of the big things that he talks about is just keeping his hands away from his body. And mm -hmm. something that I, I really like that Mark said before is like, if you can put your hands on your knees, like you're in defensive or passing position, let your hands drop and then start wiggling your fingers and bring them up until you can see your fingers out of the peripheral of your bottom eye. And I think if you can find that position, then that's a really, really good position to start because now you're not having to bring your arms forward and having to track and meet that ball. Your arms are already forward and you can kind of just cut off the angle of where that ball is going. Absolutely. You know, I, what, I, what I also think, and we're not going to go too much on this, but with your hands in front, once you're there and you're in that position, your hand, your body's basically prepared to dig like as if you were blind, as if you're expecting, if you close your eyes and the ball bounced off of you, would it come up? You know, that's like a good hard driven defense position to be in. If you just set your arms in that angle so that if anything coming towards you or coming down at you would go up back into that angle, great position to be in, but also framing the ball and understanding how deep the player is on the court, how high they can jump, how far they are away from, from the net and how, how deep you are. Right. And that'll change whether your hands are underhand or overhand and ready for the high hands dig. So we do teach this base position of getting your hands out nice and early. But what happens is if you put your hands down, like let's say when you're peeling, you peeled because you thought that the attacker couldn't hit down at you. And then people get locked up. They put their hands down in front of them and they get hit by the ear, the eye, the face, you know, instead of, all right, well, you're not getting to full depth and you just by peeling, you basically announce to the whole people, to the whole court that that player couldn't hit down. So now your hands should come up, but they should still be in front right? So don't lock them down here. Make sure that they're out if it's hard driven and you've got plenty of depth, or even if you're peeling hands in front, but you can still have them up. So there's different hand positions for different scenarios. And I think people need to understand that locking down in that base position is not always the answer. Nine times out of 10, like it is. But if you're peeling and you're shallow in the court and that person is off the net, then you need to have your hands up before they attack. Yeah. And is that, I think, and I'm just going to ask you a question right now so you can kind of keep going with it. But um, 
is that something that you decide as you're peeling or is that something you're deciding as as that attacker's hitting yeah um unfortunately like for me it's it's instinct now so um those calculations happen kind of fast but what like what what is my mind seeing that i'm calculating is it's understanding how far off that person is because the further off they are the only fast thing that can happen is going to be flat and around my head which is when i would bring my hands up yeah right okay you know if they're tight some people can bounce right they can absolutely bounce down and if you're playing that type of athlete then your hands need to be in front of you and up um if i know that i'm in a position where i don't have time to get full depth on defense so let's say i peeled really late well then i'm only in half court and no matter who is hitting at me the only thing that's going to happen fast is going to be at my face so you know i'm taking into account what type of athlete i'm playing against um where how deep they are and how deep i am and you start to get a feel for all right well if you haven't really crossed half court on defense then your hands should be up high unless mm-hmm. somebody's 50 50 and they're about to go thunderdome right um right but that's that's we're talking like avp and open level that's when i would use that um if somebody's super super tight but i'm playing against like a, a b and a player at a camp or something i know they're probably not going to bring that much heat inside the front half of the court so i can be a little bit looser with my hand position gotcha yeah and I, actually i think this conversation i i didn't realize it when i was asking but um it kind of takes us into our third kind of idea which is finding the impact window of the attacker so like that's one thing when we're talking about pulling or staying up and blocking obviously that's an impact window kind of conversation um but do you want to dive a little bit deeper into the impact window of when you're when you're digging and what that kind of means yeah absolutely um so key number three for better defense is the impact window and what do we mean by the impact window is of course finding that little square, and I actually learned this from Nick Lucena on one of his podcasts, on the Sandcast <clears throat> podcast. Um, he talked about finding that window where the player is about to strike the ball. A lot of coaches and advice about defense talks about like looking at the shoulder. Um, and that, you know, we talked about that on Monday, but that never really made sense to me because well, this doesn't give you any hints as to where the ball is going to go so looking at the hitting shoulder never made sense if you're looking at the entire arm okay well now you can start to notice things but then like your visual sequence is on a forearm and an elbow instead of picking up the exact place on the ball that that person is about to hit so now you know i i have a visual sequence change so i look at the speed of the attacker, I look at if the uh, if the ball is going to land on their hitting arm or their non-hitting arm, if it's going to put them in trouble. I look to see if they're about to like come under and pick up their chest because they're too early, because then they're not going to be able to hit very steep if they come in early and then they have to lean back to hit. And once I've gotten all of that, and now I just switch the focus immediately to, all right, where are they going to strike the ball? And my mind is trying to say, Let's pick up the exact like wrist position on which part of the ball that that person is about to touch. And that gives me better reads because that allows my hands, which are out early, that allows them to be in a position earlier. 
So when, when amazing defenders make things look so simple, right? They, they like don't even move and that ball just pops up and you're, you're just wondering like, what? How do they make it look so easy? All of this is anticipation. It's not reaction. It's seeing what's about to happen before it happens. And that's what makes it look easy. And a big part of that is where you're looking, right? And that's how you're going to pick up that pickup, uh, that hitting window, is making sure that you see how that hand is contacting the ball. Then you're going to put your hands and your body in the right position. You're going to be leaning in the right position. You can't always pick it up against amazing players. And early in your career, you're going to struggle what certain uh, body positions mean. But the earlier you start trying to learn it, the faster you can pick it up in your career. And I think people need to appreciate that as well, that um, when you start something, you're going to get better at it sooner. But if you never start trying to pick up that information, even though it might look like gibberish first, right? then you're never going to get it. But try to interpret that information. It's like learning a new language. Try to speak Spanish. Try to put your Netflix into Spanish and just use like US subtitles. <laughs> right? You're going to learn it <laughs> a lot faster in that way. Yeah, for real. Um, and, and that's it. So uh, impact window is huge. It's made a big difference for my defense. And I think it'll make a big, uh, uh, big difference for a lot of people out there. If, whenever we're thinking about the impact window, you know, I think a lot of people, um, they don't really know what to look for, you know, and they just think, oh, it's my responsibility to stand over here. But when you're talking about somebody's momentum of whether it's bringing them inside the court or outside the court, especially when we're thinking about lower level players, like any pretty much open, intermediate, double B, B, whatever, that momentum is going to tell you a lot, and that'll that'll help you kind of get into that special location. So mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, and then the next one is change your depth. Um, and I think <clears throat> when I think about change your depth, um, and Mark, I think you and I might think about this in in a little bit of a different way, but I'm going to explain my my idea between this, and then you can kind of take yours. For me, changing your depth, I I found myself trying to hide so much that I was never really in a great spot to make a play, you know? And so I realized, like, all right, forget about all this tricky stuff. Don't worry about trying to make them hit a shot to score a point. Put yourself in a position where I, I call it the danger zone. Mm. Um and the main reason I do that is kind of going back to my indoor days. And I was always in the danger zone. You know, if I was gonna, if somebody was going to get hit in the face, it was probably going to be me um, when I was playing defense and an outside hitter just turned the ball down the line. Um, but eventually you kind of get used to that. And I think something that happens a lot with players is they're, they put themselves in a position where they can only dig with their platform or they mm -hmm. can only dig with their hands and they don't let it become a reactionary play. Um, they just kind of hope that an attacker gets hit at them um, or hits the ball at them. So I know with me, when I'm thinking about changing the depth, um, the first thing that I had to do was kind of go back to where the getting stable early was, but I wanted to make sure that I'm doing that in the right location where kind of if I get hit anywhere on my body, that ball is going to land in the court. 
You know, I think a lot of people will set up too far, too close to the sideline, or they'll be too deep. And like, if you think about that, if you get hit too high, then that ball might've been out of bounds. So I think uh, just changing your depth and putting yourself a little bit more in that danger zone. If you're playing defense and an attacker is going up and hit a ball and your blocker is not in front of it, Mm. you should probably be a little worried, but (laughs) that means you're in the right spot. You know, if you're not worried and that attacker is getting ready to tee off on a ball, then more than likely your depth is an issue. I like it. You know, part of, part of my lesson uh, comes from almost the opposite, but we'll meet in the middle. Like usual, like when (laughs) players go, you know, we can have two players on the exact same court and we can tell them completely opposite things. Right. For Mm -hmm. me, I got so used to being in that libero position when a seven footer was hitting on me like at, at the 10 foot line, they're just hitting boom, straight down. And I said like, okay, I have to cover that. Now, anytime a guy was spiking in beach, I thought they had that ability to hit that far down. And I would put myself that close to oh, okay. the, to the net. And I would cut off all of my own reaction time when, you know, I got so used to, again, like people in middles just try to usually just bang straight down. That's what they do in indoor. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot more variety of shots and it's way harder to hit that steep on the beach. And I would just stand in super close and I would get blown up. I would have no reaction time. So I had to teach myself. And what I did is I drew a line in the, at half court and every point, every time I finished the point and the other attacker got a kill, I looked to see where I was standing. And so many times I was in front of that line and i was like how am i going to play defense if i'm in the front half of the court so i had to draw that line consistently and make sure that that was my like boundary line i had to keep getting behind it to override my indoor libero side um because you don't need to be that close for most people and and to be honest like i didn't really start thinking about this until probably a couple years ago but Mm -hmm. If somebody has the ability to hit that ball straight down, that's just a really good hit, you know? And, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of us, we, we think we take it upon ourselves to stop every single hit that could be an option. And I think sometimes we need to be like, you know what? Good yeah. freaking hit, you know? And then it's our job because then, then it's our job to talk to each other and, and be like, hey, blocker, I need you to help me on that. Like, if he's <laughs> able to hit that angle, then even if you're calling line, I need you to put your hand on that ball and, like, take something away, you know? So I think yes. it's just a different conversation. Give your blocker more liberties. But, like, the guys yeah. who make you pay for that type of stuff, um, like, Tri- Triborn is a guy who makes you pay for standing too deep because oh, yeah. his – his hard cross is kind of like a 70% straight down cut shot that you're like, this guy is just consistently hitting in front of me. And then you step in on it and he just hits that high deep seam. So that attacker is changing their depth at the same time that you are. And, you know, one, one of the big wins that, that I had against uh, Hayden and Theo in Chicago a while back was when I started playing with that depth against Theo, we were serving him all the time and he had a couple of different swings and a couple of different scenarios. And I had to try to learn to adjust my depth for his type of set based on his tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marciniak was like giving me good Intel and I ended up getting a lot 
of digs and uh, we pulled out that match because i couldn't stay in the same spot uh, i had to change it and i think people can change where they get used to standing and then as your level your iq goes up then you start changing within your game instead of just your base position you start changing based on scenarios and the athletes you're playing against yeah i, I uh i remember when that tournament happened and <clears throat> we were able to talk afterwards and you were really happy with just how how much how quickly you and Piotr were to making these adjustments in game and then mm -hmm. not only making the adjustment but also seeing the return on it and that that's that's obviously always the goal that's pretty really cool yeah and you know it was it was just aside from defense in terms of communication Piotr my partner saw something that I didn't mm -hmm. I wasn't picking up on it and instead of saying hey you got to get that he gave me information. He said, right. I think this is what's happening when this is happening. Right. Um, and I, I was stayed open to it because he wasn't blaming me. He wasn't accusing me. And, I, you know, at the time and now I'm trying to be like a more mature partner and be better with how I give feedback and how I receive it. But to be able to stay open to that information, he doesn't sit there and accuse you. And he, he actually gives you valuable information instead of come on dig that like no kidding dig that <laughs> thanks dude <laughs> right um so he gave good valuable information and if we weren't talking after each play about what happening and why then we never get to the point where i get those digs so if you're out there and you're a partner and you're giving information or you're saying things that don't give information like it's almost better to shut your mouth um or just just give compliments so that at least the communication pathway remains open. Uh, but if you start accusing, then that pathway shuts down quick and you'll never share the valuable information when you recognize it. Right. I like it. Mm -hmm. It's always nice to find that partnership that you feel that comfortable talking to somebody. And it's, it stinks because you have to develop a little bit of a relationship first, but yeah. Um, gosh, once you get it, it's really cool. It's so cool. And I think the people who don't have it, that's where that's where a coach becomes uber valuable. Yes. Like that's why relationships have therapists and some of the strongest relationships in the world and marriages. They have people they can bounce off of. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's a therapist. But to have that coach where I can say, coach, can you look at this and tell me if I'm wrong about like Brandon's game? And then he goes, he looks at it and he's like, no, that's not what I'm seeing. Or he's like, ah, oh, OK, I'll tell him then you don't feel like I'm looking down on you or I think anything's wrong with you. It then comes from the coach whose job is to tell both of us like what's wrong and right and, and how we can fix it. Um, it only works in that situation without a coach when you have it, a player meeting and you say, I want to play with you because I want to learn from you. You know, I know like Avery Jost has done that in a few of his partnerships where he's playing with guys and he's like, I love playing with Rosie and I like can't wait to learn everything I can from him. So he'll start, he'll be open to that. You know, Phil was that with Todd mm -hmm. and um, that works in that situation. But when you have two people who think they're equal, 
neither of them can or should coach each other unless it's a very special like <laughs> personal right. connection yeah and i know that was something that we like we had to kind of go through when i first moved out here and we would have practices and it was like it's just like it, it became something where it was like when i ask you for like specific feedback then that's when you can coach me but other mm -hmm. than that like let's just keep it about us let's not make it personal you know, and I, I think that it always helps. It's a good conversation to have. Yeah. All right. All so right. So we're, we're at uh, first key was getting stable early. Second key was hands in front. Third key was find the impact window. Fourth key, change your depth. And what's key number five, Brandon? Key five is going to be dig higher. Um, what? I want to keep the ball low in beach volleyball. Yeah. And there's a time and a place. Um, <laughs> but I think especially when we think about our audience um a lot of people that once they figure out a way to get in a specific spot they get into the right location they've read the attackers hit they've looked at that little window that we've talked about and now they're getting ready to touch the ball i think way too many people are just okay with touching the ball um they're not thinking about finishing the play you know, and I and I, I I say this a lot. You know, it's like, oh, great touch, but you forgot to finish the play. And you know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times for me, um, I always say, aim for about ten feet off the net, middle of the court, twenty feet in the air, six six feet above is a little bit hard, especially when you're thinking about digging. Um, but if you can think about finishing the ball to this specific location then I think it allows you to actually realize that you have the ability to control some of these digs. Obviously there's some digs, some hits that are hit so hard at you. Um, and it's coming so fast that you're really just trying to create an angle within your body to allow this ball to come up. But <clears throat> for the most part, if you have a little bit of time and you can think about making this ball go to a specific spot and you can think about height versus location first, then that's when you're going to start allowing this ball to gum up in the air a little bit more. And then now you're putting, you're allowing your blocker, your, your teammate to get behind this ball and help you finish it, you know, but if that plays really low, unless you are a super experienced player and you're running some kind of offense where you're passing the ball low, running a quick set away or a quick set mm -hmm. behind, like I know mm -hmm. when Christian Honer and I were playing before the COVID season. <laughs> before COVID, um, yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of plays where if he got a really easy dig, he would he would run some type of quick tempo, and it allowed us to it allowed us to take advantage of a lot of teams. But when we tried to do that against teams that were able to get in front of us and able to get able to like shut us down, then we yeah. had to go back to normal and just be like, hey, let's just get this ball in the air. Allow me to give you a, the best set that I can possibly give you, and then. Now we're in the driver's seat when we're attacking. So, but yeah, I think the well, digging higher was what started it. And and I think that's a that's a big misconception. I remember uh, our coach Fred uh, talked about that huge misconception of timing and speed. People think that you need to rush an offense by rushing the pass. The setter yeah. is the player <clears throat> who rushes the offense, and the mm -hmm. hitter can change their route however they want the only time that's changing is 
on two situations. Okay. The other team like just ran scrambled. Now they're 10 yards off the court. And now you're like, Hey, we have to put this ball down now before they get back on the court. Then you shoot a low pass as an option, or you speed it up so you can get through bump set kill quicker, but you don't rush an offense by passing faster. Mm -hmm. Like unless you're going on two, that doesn't make sense. It's up to the hitter um, and the setter and everything like that. So if you don't have an on two threader, you're not trying for on two passing lower with the reasoning of speeding up your offense makes zero sense. Zero sense. It only puts more pressure, yeah. especially if you're facing a decent server, like even a halfway decent server. Cause when you pass lower, your setter gets in trouble quick. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's definitely increasing the responsibility and the stress on every player that's involved. Mm -hmm. And you'll see you'll see that at the pro <clears> level <throat> where people like in the middle of a play, they'll just jack up a dig mm -hmm. and they'll like kind of dust their hands off and they get to they then just get to breathe, reset themselves and say, all right, I'm in the driver's seat right now. I'm in full control. But I think that right. a lot of players, the faster that play starts happening, the more you like stay at the speed of the play and then you forget mm -hmm. to think you forget to look your errors increase instead oh, of like easily. knowing when right yeah yeah and it's for some reason it's hard to get out of it once you've decided to do it you know mm. like if you pass one ball low the next time that ball comes over if it's the same kind of look you're probably gonna rush no matter what um yeah. but trying to figure out when when and where is definitely a good idea Mm -hmm. that's another that's another hide and side story yeah i faced him like me and hudson and then me and dentler faced him too many times uh right in in like a two-year period you, and you can even second. yeah and you can always you can even see it with hyden who's probably one of the most accurate attackers that i've ever played against like i, mm -hmm. I remember i practiced when i first moved out here it was me and ty trambley against him and uh i think it was Kalinsky or Doherty I can't remember who it was but we tied in a drill and then it was like all right we're gonna go a side out round to each player and whatever your combined score was after side outs that that team won and Hyden went first and we not only did Ty and Ty Trambley is probably the best defender that I've ever played with as far as picking up shots um I think John Hyden went 21 balls without us even touching one of his attacks <laughs> and that was just an so demoralizing <laughs> dude it was terrible <laughs> like we went from this position where we're like oh my gosh like we're we can we can win this drill against like a top world tour team to just being like nah he's still he's still one of the best that's ever played this sport um but when he runs that quick offense he doesn't have that accuracy anymore he still scores just about as easily as he does in other situation, but he does lose a lot of his control. Um, it more becomes like, oh, the blocker's not here. I'm just going to pat it real quick. But um, yeah, it's it's crazy if if that can affect not too much because he's still freaking amazing. But yeah, yeah, it's still crazy. All right. So number five, right. we'll dig higher, and number six, uh, defensive tip number six, practice digging with your hands now i i hope i catch some flack for this but the difference in the quality of hand digging uh between the women my age and the men my age is too far 
too far. I think there's, and there's a number of reasons why that can happen, right? Guys hit harder. So there's more hard driven balls. So there are more plays where they have the opportunity to use their fingers and up into a certain level, women really aren't bringing enough heat consistently to call it a reaction play where you can use your fingers. So like you have to be in the elite players on the women's side to be able to start like using your hands consistently. And on the men's side, you know, you could get a B player who can just jump and mash a ball and you, you you'll be able to, to dig with your hands based on the reaction thing. So the problem with that comes now you get stuck at that level because you've never practiced this skill and you just start losing those points and you don't include it into your practice. You don't include it into your warm-up because it's not valuable to you in the game. And so then you just have this hard ceiling. So everybody out there needs to practice digging with pokies, needs to practice digging with their paddles, their open hands, underhand, overhand. Underhand is not a lift, by the way, so long as it rebounds. Let's clear that out. Uh, Yes. Um, (laughs) Being able to tomahawk, okay, but that's a big problem because most people like to try to keep their fingers out of the way and you need to be able to grab that ball with your fingers to play volleyball at the next level. And people just don't practice that. They pepper. And here's what happens every time you and me run a camp or a clinic and we tell people to pepper, everybody hits directly at each other's forearms and they dig with the forearms for 10 minutes and they could keep that ball alive as long as they want. Then you say, okay, everyone overhand pepper. What does that mean? Hit at each other's face. The ball dies within three reps, Mm -hmm. right? Like people don't have the hand manipulation, which is shocking because these should be your like, your most valuable tools, your fingers and your hands have the most nerve endings in them. So they should be able to react better and faster than anything else. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in order to get to that next level, practice just in your pepper. If you practice digging with your forearms, spend at least 33% of that time digging with your hands, tomahawks, slaps, pokies. We do a lot of speed pepper at our camps and clinics, but you have to practice with your hands so that you're ready to get to the next level what do you think yeah i i I don't know how anybody could even remotely argue that you know it's it's a it's a skill that for some reason we don't work on but like if you watch the indoor game where they're allowed to serve receive with their hands open Mm -hmm. the best teams in the world are up their players so that 90% they can do this. So like if that's the case for indoor, which those balls are coming a lot quicker, like it, it doesn't make sense that we haven't we haven't started transit, especially in a coach's standpoint, you know, like I'm not even there's gonna be certain specific there's gonna be situations where like you might not be able to teach and hand dig. Um like if you're a twelve year old 13 year old 14 year old girl boy then the power that's going to be coming from that uh, might not be able to use an opening mm-hmm. uh, but <clears throat> as we get older it's something that's coming to the game and um yeah you're seeing those people who are willing to dig with their hands it's it's almost becoming an easier point for them so um yes but we don't we don't remember to incorporate it into our training to get into a live game a live match set 
we forget that it's even an option. So hmm. if you start doing it after this, and just I mean, even if you are automatic, and even if you are a shorter, younger player, right? You're shorter, so that means hmm. that there will be more balls that cross your upper body when they're hit. So you I don't... have to have paddles, tomahawks, and slaps in order to do that. Right. You need do you remember? So even the junior. Pop, 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 pop. Do you remember the Huntington AVP? I can't. It was a year where it was in. It was. It also involved the like international teams. Are you going to bring up the the Lindquist sisters? The two little. I don't remember their names, but the two women yep. that qualified, Lind- they beat, and they didn't block one single time. They're playing against nope. some of the best teams in the world, and like pretty much what happened is like these small girls, I, I don't know how old they were. I don't, I, but they couldn't have been, both of them couldn't have been taller than five, eight. And yep. they literally were pulling, playing. They only stayed up at the net, which you and I talk about a lot to be net protectors. And then they would pull off and then they were just getting balls crushed at their face outside their body. And just being able to dig with their hands, let them beat some, some of the best teams in the world that they had no chance of being against, right. but they were the only people on the court at that point that were willing to put themselves in that position. So that's, is, uh, it's crazy. I, I said the same thing. I was like, who are these two moms yeah. that are just <laughs> right? out here demoralizing people? Yeah. And like the girl who just went to the Olympics, uh, Pavan, no, not Pavan, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Melissa, she was hitting against them and she like hit one ball out and hit one ball down and hit hard and then just got lipped. And I was like, what is going on? Who are these? And then somebody said, those are Linguist sisters because they had different names because they got married. Um, okay. And I was like, the, uh, these girls were consistently getting top 10 finishes in the AVP like 10 years ago. And okay. they were the only no blocking team. And they didn't play with anybody else. They're like the McKibbins, you know, mm-hmm. they, they stuck together. Um, Who are they? And, uh, Who are the McKibbins? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think they're directors or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the, you can play high level volleyball if you have great defense. Yeah. And the only way that they were able to take down literally Olympic players was because their overhand digging was fantastic and is fantastic. So, um, and you, you if you yeah. want to just see examples of people who have great overhand digging, go watch the majority of the Brazilian female teams who will step up at half court and play defense with their hands right at their face. They take away the cut shot. They're closer to the other sideline because they've stepped up. So now they've taken away all the short high lines. Now the only other option is try to hit at my face, in which case my hands are ready or try to hit that high deep line. Um, but the Brazilian yeah. women are fantastic at high hands defense. And they, yeah, defense I've noticed that. I, that. And you can uh, let me know if this is the case, but I've also noticed that a little bit about Billy Allen. Um, he seems to like really put himself into a good position where he's just batting balls away. And, and so I think he might be a good person to watch as well. I agree. I, I think he's one yeah. of those guys that, that does our, you know, our, uh, which, which key is it? Uh, our fourth key really well. He knows when to step up yes. and when to play deep and dig with his forearms. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's amazing at that. Yeah. All right. Last one, probably most Number important. Seven. Calm down. Oh, fuck. Down. <laughs> Calm down. Um, you know, I know with me, like, I just get anxious, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, 
especially when I know I'm going to touch a ball, you yeah. know, and I just let my arms go too quickly. So um, I know with me, with calming down, it's letting that ball do a lot of the work for me. Um, but I'll let you keep going with it. <laughs> for me, it was always tension. Yeah. I would know that that person is about to do something hard and powerful. So my body's natural reaction is to tense with them, right? Instead of staying loose and reactable. Uh, that's not a word. I know. But uh, staying loose and being able to move loose instead of like feeling that tension, the flex in your arms that locks everything in place. When your arms are flexed, they have to unlock to move out of that position and then relock and move into a different position. So that takes more milliseconds of time, right? If you're able to stay loose, then they're only, they don't have to unlock before they move and you're going to be faster. So I know that everybody's hitting hard and everybody like wants to get a dig so bad, but you've, you've got to be a little more Taylor crab about it and just kind of <laughs> be out there swaying. <laughs> and for one reason or another, for one reason or another, <laughs> And just have those those loose arms able to dig. Yes, there needs to be tension in your legs. You need to be low enough. Like they can't be jelly. Um, same thing with the arms. They can't just be jelly, but they can't mm -hmm. have full tension. And that face can't just be like, <sighs> you, can, you can be intense without being tight. And there's a huge, huge, huge difference there that people need to embrace. So like if you notice that during digs or after digs, you're noticing this flex, this tightness in your arms, you're going to be slower. So see if you can get your arms to relax, even though you know that somebody's bringing the heat. Yeah. I, I always talk about the fact that like, look at body types in beach volleyball, you know, and <laughs> I, I don't want to be the stereotypical person that says those things or don't think I'm being shallow, but like a lot of beach volleyball players are long, skinny, noodly people. Mm. You know, and if we're long and skinny and noodly, then we shouldn't be like trying to flex our muscles in every single <laughs> point of the play. You know, like we we're the, we're our bodies look like this for a reason. Um, and so, like, just allowing yourself to be a little bit flowy and allow yourself to get behind that ball. And then you can tense up a little bit when you're making the touch. Yeah. Um, but doing it before the movement happens is just you're shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, if if we, we can add another like 0.5 to the calm down thing, it's when you lose a point, when the other team gets a kill, the offense is supposed to score more points than the defense. That's why we play drills like uh five three and the battle of eighteen twelve, where you put the defense has a bigger score than the R than the war of eighteen twelve, sorry. Um than, than the offense does because the offense should be scoring more consistently. So if you get so incredibly like fired up and upset that the other team got a kill and you start blaming things, you're not going to get the next, you're not going to get the next dig. You're not going to get the next point. Like the top AVP and world tour players. And yes, they're playing against the best offenses in the world, but they're getting five or six digs per set. That's out of 40 something points, right? 35 to 40 points. So that's one dig every seven or eight points that you're looking for. Uh, you're not going to dig every ball. So just chill. Mm -hmm. Be okay that the other team got a kill, but take that as information 
and see if you can say, why did they get that kill? What reason did they hit it? What did they see that made them hit it? Where did we serve them that made them hit that? And instead of that high anxiety situation of, damn it, they got another kill. I can't touch them. I can't touch them. I don't know what to do. Just mm -hmm. start collecting information calmly. Yeah, especially because in the last 10 points, that's when you can use that information again. You know, like, yes. oh, when I serve them short to their mm -hmm. sideline, last time I thought he was going to come in and hit hard cross, but he let that ball drop past his shoulder. He went line. And then you can take that information and you can kind of try to use it again later in the game to where now you can maybe win that point just by putting them into a situation that you you remember them doing. Um, I remember, I think it was Christian Sorum. He went mm -hmm. on a podcast that I listened to. I think it was Sandcast, actually. Um, and um, he he said something about the fact that he, he doesn't stress out about losing points within the first 15 points or something like that. I mean, it also helps when you're playing with the best blocker in the world and the best server because then you're you literally standing you're probably, or watch Andy block you, every ball. Yeah, you're probably up by uh, six points after 15 points anyway. But yeah. um the fact that he would like, and he used, it doesn't stress me out, you know, like he takes in all that information and, um, and then you see those guys. And when they're at the end of the match, they're, they always look like they're in control and it's, it doesn't matter if they're up by five. It doesn't matter if they're down by one, they still look like they're in control, mm -hmm. which I think that's just them taking in information. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's, uh, that's today's lesson for everybody. Number one, get stable early. Number two, get your hands in front of you. Number three, find the impact window. Number four, learn how to change your depth. Number five, dig higher. Number six, practice digging with your hands. <clears throat> and number seven, calm down. Good lesson today, Brandon. That was nice. Yeah, that was good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. My pleasure. And hey, thanks for joining. Yeah. <laughs> thanks yeah. for joining everybody out there. Um, yeah. Brandon's Brandon's got to head out, but I'm going to stick around for a little Q&A with our live audience. Uh, so if you're here live, let's get into that chat. Remember that I'm going to be chatting uh, through Facebook and through YouTube. I can't respond to the chats on YouTube, but I can respond verbally to when you send in the comments on that video. So if you wanna hang around, ask any questions, remember again, we have a New York clinic coming up uh, Long Island this Saturday, December 18th. Um, we have our two camps coming up, but those we have one spot left again because somebody canceled yesterday, they were sold Which out. I think it might've already gotten taken, but if you're oh, interested, yeah. send us an email, support at betterbeach.com. And uh, if it is still open, we'll, we'll get you in there. Cool. And if yeah. it's not open, April 3rd, book that right away. Uh, yeah. That's also in Florida. And if you want us to come and run any camps or clinics in your hometown, if you have a facility, a court, get in touch with us. Go to betteratbeach.com forward slash clinics, and we will be there. And if you want some sweet swag for Christmas, uh, hit me up for the hats or go ahead to betterbeach.com forward slash shop. And telling you guys, don't miss out on that visor. You can wear it all day long. You can sleep in it. You can train in it. You can go to work in it. It's office approved. Yep. Yep. And it doesn't abuse the follicles. So for those right. of us who are follicularly um, disinclined, uh, you can you can protect them. <laughs> yeah. But it also works if you're bald. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. If you want to shine it up. 
<laughs> people helping people. <laughs> All right. All right, Brandon. Brian, I will see day. you uh, on Monday. Next Monday. Yep. Yeah. East Coast. Well, we'll be talking every day. But yeah. yeah. All right. See you guys. Later. Bye. All right. Everybody who is hanging around for the Q&A, what I'm going to do is I'm going to scroll through the questions piece by piece. Um, Mark Zen, thanks for coming again, Mark. Appreciate it. Tell the players to calm down. You like that information. What is the minimal information they should gather as they play? The minimal information that they should gather as a play. So uh, one of the questions that, like, when we look at defense, right, when we are not getting upset that the other team is scoring defensive or scoring offensive points, what we have to say is just count. So if you're a coach out there and you're trying to train your players how to play defense or how to become better defenders throughout the entire match, at some point during the match, at like 10, 11, ask your players, how many cut shots has that person hit? How many hard crosses has that person hit? How many high lines? Now, as we move to like NCAA, and if they put coaches in the box for AVP, we don't necessarily need to do that as much. But if you want to train a player to be independent and think on their own and to be true like warriors and people who battle, the, the base stats that you need to know are how many times they hit a certain shot, right? That's, that's key number one. And then you can get into uh, some different situations and everything. So uh, if you are at 10-11, the technical, and you don't know how many hard crosses, hard lines, cut shots, or high lines a certain player has, especially if it's the person you chose to serve, uh, you need to start tracking stats during the game. Okay. Uh, next question. Joe, I believe, asked uh, where to find this to view later. Joe, it's going to be on our YouTube channel. Um, it's streaming to Facebook, so you can check out our Better Beach Volleyball page. Uh, if you're not in our Facebook group, Volley Chat, Get Better at Beach Volleyball, it's a great place where people ask consistent questions and the community helps them. Um, and we do a lot of our announcements through that. So uh, it'll be on our YouTube channel and in the podcast version. Once uh, our team gets editing, then we'll have it up on a podcast. So, okay. Uh, Ian says, do you think digging and serve receive for indoor volleyball will help you for beach? Any adjustments you make going from one to the other in regards to passing? Uh, I, the only difference that I would like maybe make Ian is personally, you want to pass a little bit more outside your body line on the beach because that ball can float more and you can't use your hands there. Uh, when like for the men's game, a lot of guys during a float surf will step up to like 13 feet and they'll try to take the ball with their hands. You cannot do that in beach. So as far as digging and passing technically, no, there's, there should be no difference for uh, how we, pass with our forearms and digging you should always just try to dig high and towards the middle of the court for both so um there you have it Bina colada is this adina adina is this you who's being colada um do you have one-on-one -on -one coaching in january in california so uh we have a team better beach coaches who are in california on a regular basis in hermosa redondo manhattan so if you come just get onto that um check out the los angeles tab on betterbeach.com and you'll be able to book a private there 
So you think the Norway team uses, Ethan says, so you think the Norway team uses those first 15 points, keeping track of high lines, angles, et cetera. 100%. Uh, if you can check out their podcast with the McKibbins. Oh, was it with the McKibbins? Yes, it was. Um, so it wasn't a podcast. It was a YouTube channel with the Norwegian brother, uh, the Norwegian team and uh, the McKibbins, a great YouTube channel where they dove into their mindset on defense. So yes, they are tracking stats. And of course, at the highest level, you basically know every team's stats before you step on the court with them. However, to give you guys information, right, new teams that you play, you need to, first of all, hopefully recognize tendencies of the players you play against. And uh, second of all, learn to keep track so that you can start a little black book. Oh, right. I have a friend who wants to get in December camp in St. Pete. If you get any openings, uh, Kumi, she's got to uh, send us an email to support at Better at Beach if she wants to get on the wait list for the camps because they are full but then we get like a random cancellation here and then we open that up and we send that first to our wait list so make sure she send us an email if she wants to be on the wait list for that december and january camp jeremy bocio if you're still there how hard should we be hitting at another's heads in practice pepper the exact same speed that you hit at their forearms if you're practicing overhand pepper and learning to overhand dig, the other team is not going to hit less hard. They're not going to hit softer at your head than they do at your platform. So you have to be able to dig everything the same speed with forearms or hands. Uh, you know, if you want to get them comfortable with it, like if it's their first time and you're afraid that they might jam their thumbs or they're a little bit scared, okay, then take some heat off. But uh, you should eventually get to the point where you dig the exact same speed with your hands as you do with your platform. <laughs> I'm going to scroll up through these questions. Thank you guys for, for getting involved. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mateo. 50-50 <laughs> Thunderdome, your next short beach volleyball documentary. I like that. Uh, so Mike Zadio, when we were talking about uh, getting stable early, he said, are you anti-juke? I'm not anti-juke, but I know who and what type of player I need to juke against. So for those of you who know, a juke is when the attacker gets his eyes onto the other side of the court, you show him one move as if you're moving to one side of the court or the other, and you can either return or you can return and then follow your juke. There's a, there's a number of fakes that you can do back there. But the important part, Mike, is that you have to know if the other player actually looks at you, if it changes what they do based on where you are and when they look at you. But if the players on the other side of the court are not looking at you and where you stand um, doesn't change where they hit or they're not even accurate enough to get a kill on you if you start from a stable position, then you have zero reason to juke and put yourself off balance. Okay. So I'm not anti-juke. It's just it works at at a certain level uh right now can you get your so our t-shirts and sweatshirts can be shipped internationally so follow betterbeach.com forward slash shop but our hats uh you would have to pay me for shipping and i think that would be expensive if you want them i am down to ship them wherever you want but then i would have to charge you for that shipping um and i don't know how much that would be if anybody knows a great uh drop shipping 
hat provider, uh, a hat that a hat company that will print or embroider hats that we design and then ship them wherever they need to be shipped. That would be fantastic. I would love to get in touch with that. Phil Williams, could you all do a clinic before or after FUDS? We are actually planning on it. We're in contact um, with Emerald Coast Volleyball and we're trying to run a clinic the weekend leading up to FUDS. That could be a long week for a lot of people. So we might do it like the first one or two days, like Monday or Tuesday, or we might do it that weekend. So we are trying to um, run one. If it's at Juanas in Navarre, they have six courts and host the biggest volleyball league around. Phil, I would love if you get in touch with me, make sure that you um, go to betterbeach.com forward slash clinics and fill out that form and I'll call you and then we can talk about organizing that clinic. But if you think that we could fill it up, whether it's at FUDS or Juanas in Navarre, then we would love to do it. And we are holding on to that weekend so we can do a Florida specific clinic. So um, see if you can, I'll write it down as well, but get in touch with me, fill out that form and I'll give you a call. Okay. How important is it to record your own games? Do you do it? Recording your own games is the most important thing you can do. If you can't go back and relive each point and see it with a bird's eye view, you're you're not going to improve or your improvement rate is going to be half of what it should be. Think about how much time NFL and NBA teams spend in film, right? It's important to know what's happening and where you are and how to correct yourself. So you should all start making sure um, you're on it. Trevor, you registered for our New York clinic and you're driving five hours. Dude, that's awesome. I can't wait to see you. I will uh, buy you a beer for your long drive. <laughs> I can't wait to see you. You can hold me to that. And any last couple questions? Uh, Bonnie says, what's the best way to pepper with a new partner? I'm playing with two co-eds. I'm short women on men's net. Just pepper. Um, hit them high, hit them low, and make sure that they know in advance, hey, I'm going to hit you high and low because we need to practice low digging and high digging. So best way to pepper with a new partner is just throw the ball up in the air pass set and hit all the way around them. Uh, some people get extra frustrated when they get challenged and you don't want to put them in a frustrated state before their match. But if it's like a practice thing or they, or you ask, Hey, do you want me to challenge you during this pepper? Can I hit anywhere? Then the people who want to be challenged, you can challenge them, but just have that conversation with your partner. I know that I used to challenge uh, players just during pepper and warmups before they were ready to move. And they're like, no, I just want to warm up. I don't want to go firing right away. My mentality is you're on the court. It's time to fire at 100%. Um, their mentality was warming up. And so that would create friction in the relationship and then friction. And then they would be upset before the practice even started or before the match even started. And you can't have that. So you need to have that conversation with your partner about how you warm up the best. Yeah. Do you have any tips on how to stay calm and loose in defense? Um, Sebastian, just go back to the front. So Sebastian Shibau, Shibau, uh, go back to the beginning of this video. And uh, we had a big thing on, on being able to be calm and being able to get stable early. So if you just go back to the beginning of this video, you'll be fine. Just have your hands loose. Make sure that you can like actually loosen your hands and don't think, you know, dig two shots say if he hits a high line i'm not going to get it but i will get every hard cross and every cut shot 
or vice versa. Say, I'm going to dig the middle hard cross. It's like the seam cross, right? I'm not going to pay attention to my sideline and I'll get the high lines, but dig two shots, make the court smaller, make the selection smaller. And if the other team counters that, you can adjust to that later, but say like, I'm going to get these two shots and I'm okay if they get this type of kill right now. That's a, that's a good way to start playing defense. Joe, me and Brandon are planning on running uh, these twice a week, every Monday at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, 2 p.m. East Coast time, every Monday and every Wednesday. And then uh, we'll chop them up, get recordings of them, put them on the podcast and do that. If anybody knows some great podcast editors or just how to run a podcast in general, please let me know. <laughs> We're making it up as we go along. How do we defend who can put a ball to the area or not quickly and accurately? How do you defend against people who are quick and accurate? So people who are accurate and hit good spots, how do you defend against them? Well, if they're accurate and they're accurately hitting away from you and you're not fast enough to get there, there are a few things you could do. Number one, squat. Number two, lunge. Number three, sprint. The more you do these things, the faster you will get and the more balls you will get to. You cannot uh, try to be getting more digs and being better and hit harder and spike harder if you're not training your body to move faster and move more powerfully. So if you want to get more digs, you better start squatting heavy. You better start squatting as fast as you can, whether it's heavy or light, and you need to be starting to sprint. Um, other than that, if you just want to stay at the same physical level, then you have to learn how to juke and how to throw peels like threes, fours, fake peels, fake blocks, see what works and see how you can make somebody uncomfortable. But if somebody is shooting against you and getting nonstop kills, you have to start peeling. Your blocker needs to start assisting you in covering more court. Um, Serve with more power. Uh, we have, so tonic, we have our, or tonic, I'm sorry. We have a fix your arm swing in 21 days course. If you check out betteratbeach.com forward slash coaching, we will take you through a huge course uh, that will increase your power quickly just through mechanics. All right. All right, guys, um, that is it for the questions. Thanks for spending the extra time with me. I hope you guys like this. Guys, please like comment on this or share it wherever you are. If you could share it to a volleyball group, you think there is good value in it, let me know. Remember that all of these topics, when we pick a topic, we choose it from Volley Chat, Get Better at Beach Volleyball, the Facebook group. So we look at that, we say, what are, people, what are people talking about most? What questions had the most involvement? And then we put that onto our Excel sheet and we say, okay, that's when we're going to talk about that. We're gonna answer those questions. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your commentary on what we're doing. If you want a free drill book, just go to betteratbeach.com on the home page. We give you our free drill book, 36 essential drills for beach volleyball. Um, that'll put you on our email list where we will send you our blogs, our videos on a regular basis. Um, after the first week or so, you're going to get one email every week with a new blog and video. And we'll give you these announcements if you want us to send you the announcements. Um, we'll give the announcements for when we are going live. And of course, you'll get first opportunity to book camps, to book clinics and everything like that. Final announcements uh, for me. So you got your free 
36 drill books, 36 essential drills for beach volleyball. We have our training camp in Florida coming up April 3rd. Uh, that booking is live at bitterbeach.com forward slash camps. If you want to join our online coaching program forward slash coaching. And if you want us to uh, run a clinic in your hometown or at your facility, betterbeach.com forward slash clinics. You guys can head there um, or you can see our schedule and what cities we are headed to next. Currently, we are in New York. I'm in New York and I'm running a training on Saturday, three sessions, two and a half hours each. And that will be in Oceanside in Long Island at Endless Summer. If you're around, I'll see you there. And if you're in the area and you haven't yet, please go ahead and share that information. It helps us in a big way and it helps us keep doing what we want to do. If you need some Christmas gear, go ahead to betterbeach.com forward slash shop and you can see our selection of shirts once you click on the uh, apparel tab there. Thank you guys again for attending so much. It's so cool to see how many people are here and watching and staying through it. So, um, it's, it's really cool to get to interact with you guys in a different way. And I hope you guys like it. Send me feedback, send me commentary. Let me know how we can make it better for you. All right, with that, signing off, toodaloo. That's not a great sign off. <laughs>